Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Going to look at a strange comics book, number one, uh, from Curtis Comics. No, it's from Marvel. But before we dive into this, I want to tell everybody about Cartoonist Kayfabe's comic book Christmas in July. The last Saturday of the month of July, we're going to put our doubles, our comps, our extra comics into the local lending libraries that are dot the neighborhoods all across this country you probably have several in your neighborhood or nearby in your city so if you're a collector or you're a creator and you have some extra comics take those to those local lending libraries and uh populate those things we know readers go to those places let's try to make some new comic book readers and uh maybe print out a little list of where those people could find more comics if they like the comics that you share with them for Pittsburgh, I include our library system, has a lot of great graphic novels, some of the local comic book stores. It could be a half-price books. It could be a bookstore, wherever you get comics in your in your local area. Include a note. Make it easy for people, if they like what they find in their local lending library, to follow up on it. And maybe mention us if they're looking for uh, some more recommendations on comics and, and something to listen to and learn more about comics. Also, if you're watching this video, like, follow, and subscribe to Cartoonist Kayfabe if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell icon to be notified when we post a new video. That'll give you a leg up on the Kayfabe effect when we post a video. Sometimes it's with a book that's out of print or hard to find, and uh, you want to be the first one in line looking for it. To offset that Kayfabe effect, hit the notification button, and you'll be first. Also, let this video play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share it with other comics fans who have not found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet, and that is how we grow this channel. So we thank you and appreciate your help on that. So, Ed, comics book. This is a book that I used to see pictures of. There was recently a collection of these printed, and uh, this is a Marvel Comics publication, even though Marvel is not in the uh, masthead here, because this is uh, Stanley trying to capitalize on underground comics of the time date on this is 1974 marvel ends up publishing three issues of this black and white magazine sized uh, book releasing them on newsstands underground comics but a little bit more mild than your uh what underground comics are known for it's dennis kitchen is like the the sort of editor-in-chief of this and that's what like like his style like when you go grab those death rattles and stuff from the early 80s when when it was the kitchen sink logo with the drippy faucet it would it's all mild stuff it's like almost an easy comic with the horror stuff or whatever it, it's it's all this kind of like mid-level stuff and uh yeah sure we'll call it marvel because stanley has some you know he's the instigator as you see up up top but martin goodman was publisher of a um, magazine management company right. and the publisher of popular porn mags like like swank and like cherry or something like you've heard of the kinds of the porn mags that, that he had it would be the ones that when you were trying to like dig your brain for like nobody's ever looked into issue a swank but you know it exists you know you would see it on the rack kind of thing so they have this this other body of work this other um sort of mechanism of publishing and, and the comics was always considered the bastard child like the cooler place to be was magazine management because that's where like mario puzo is and bruce j friedman and a bunch of people like that so another consequence of this is the fact that james warren is carving a footprint you know on the magazine racks with these square formatted 11 by eight eight and a half by 11 black and white mags so here we go you know like 
Zap Comics came out a couple of years back. Crumb is not in here, but you'll see many references to Robert Crumb. Uh, it's the Spiegelman part is a uh, surprise to see in here because a lot of these names that you see are just more of like people you would associate with kind of kitchen sink comics as the years go by, really. Yeah, and some, uh, I think there's a letter in issue three maybe by Robert Crumb, which is as much as you're going to get out of him in this. Uh, but there is an S. Clay Wilson page that will appear in a future issue of this, which probably about as underground as you're going to find. This is this covers by uh, Poplowski, P. Poplowski, mm -hmm. who, who is a staple. Like, he's like, a production guy or something of of uh, kitchen sink like his name is on all kinds of he colors a lot of uh the kitchen sink I color think it's books. a really good cover yeah but but like he also his style is almost just like mimicking styles or something like like i could look at this and tell that it's poplowski but i also feel like there were some instructions to make it as crumb like as possible and make that as like s clay wilson like as as possible almost checkered demon or whatever and that's almost like trina um like he, he like that's sort of how he, how he rules I like the logo too i feel like that logo pops not far from like the ben oda mad uh yeah. logo yeah it's big and bold uh this is a little bit of dennis kitchens kind of behind the scenes of what he's trying to do here and he says if you're smart read McLuhan and are on top of things you know that pictographic narratives cartoons are the communications medium of the future i think that's kind of uh I don't know, maybe every cartoonist would say that or think that or hope that, but in a lot of ways, like, that really is our present. Yeah. Uh, start off with Steve Stiles, who I confess I don't know his work well, but this is pretty impressive to me in terms of craft. Sure. A lot of words on that page, though. A lot of words. A lot of everything. Screen tone, hatching, different tools visible there. I don't know what this thing is. There, There's, there's one super cool part, and uh, there is definitely some language that does not work. Sure. But he, they're calling attention to manga here, and that is true. And you've never like that might be the first indication that there even is a comic book industry in in Japan. Like, like uh, where else in 1974 are you hearing about Japanese comics? Yeah, he says if you got a pen power to over in the land of Godzilla, have them send you some of them uh, picture stories. Toot sweet airmail you can take my word for it so you're right about that because um, it's the phone books you know weekly humdingers yeah it's almost like a page six where you just are getting a little a bit of updates of like what the underground guys are up to and it's all name dropping you know rory hayes is mentioned alongside sk clay wilson does it say that rory hayes actually does a page uh, oh, no, no that's no, something no. else. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't tell what this is, to be honest with you. It's very strange. It's almost like um, those gossip columns. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. If you're not that, there, you page just six. don't know it. And so, like, uh, it's like a uh, wrestling observer. So, that, like, Dave Meltzer. They're bros, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, this is your Dennis Kitchen comic. I think his cartooning is really strong. He's a really good cartoonist. Uh, I, I love the style. He has his own style. He's got a point of view. And uh, the the draw the drawing is sound. Yeah, and one of the things that distinguishes this publication from most of Marvel's books carries no advertising, so our opinions cannot be bought. That's kind of interesting, and I wonder if that's a swipe at Mad. I'm not sure when Mad starts taking advertising. If it was mid '70s, it was later. It, it it was when we were hanging out. Like really, it was that late. It was that late. Yeah, they did not have advertising like when I was a kid or anything. Wow, like, it, it I didn't realize it was that late. It happened like because like it was a big deal to Pat Lewis. 
Yeah. You know, like where he's like, fuck, they take advertising now. I didn't realize it was that late. Yeah. I know that's sort of a, an interesting moment. But anyway, it does distinguish this in that it's, it's, I don't know, it's strange not to sell advertising if you're doing magazines. Yeah, yeah, because like, what's it's the mo- what's the, the model? It, it, like, even even Jim Warren would like those ads that were in the back. It was all for his own stuff, but you know there was still stuff going on. This is like the most disturbing Trina Robbins <laughs> image ever, man, with this lion fucking this chick, and then you have like this like little cub kitten chick. Yeah, Trina Robbins, uh, underground mainstay. I feel like she's in so many comics history moments. Like she's around. She's almost like Forrest Gump or something in a lot of publications yeah i I almost thought it was grass green though like it was it was that kind of style so for my money this this uh art spiegelman ace hole midget detective strip is kind of the standout absolutely and very very uh interesting cartooning throughout the story and i don't know i mean it says 74 so i guess it was done for this but i obviously like we know it from from the um the the breakdowns breakdowns book printed much bigger yeah, and you can see how much of a formalist he is, like doing all sorts of stuff, you know, goes to Picasso in the middle of this four panel sequence and just very decorative. It reminds me of some of the work that he would do, like in the shadow of uh, of No Towers, Two yeah. Towers, um, where he's, I guess, digitally collaging a lot of elements. Back in the 70s, you're drawing those, yeah. but you see like all sorts of Reference to other comics, reference to technology, tons of different textures and things that are being part of this page. And if you actually read this strip, there is uh, almost like the the language even bounces around where like he's repeating things. He's talking like outside of the panel, almost like a meta language that the characters are doing. Yeah, it's doing that. It's that, very exciting. Yeah, it's that hard boiled uh, purple prose would be the thought balloons. So there will be moments where the purple prose thought balloons are happening describing what you're seeing and then he'll verbalize yeah. and then go right back to it it's uh, really interesting even the mashup of like a picasso woman and the mr potato head and it's funny to juxtapose those things next to each other and how well they kind of fit visually yeah totally this feels like a precursor strip like something that chris Ware would have saw when he created that that i guess strip where he's using like golden age mm-hmm. imagery and the words are completely divorced from what you're you're looking at he also shows what you could do like his drawing ability is more limited than like a uh, like crumb or shelton or those guys but he does a lot with it man he definitely does and this is pretty interesting there's your like photo reference and i think it's a collage i think that's a photo collage for reference because here is the drawn panel of this and then the drawn panel rotated 90 degrees yeah, wild stuff. Playing with lettering, you know, so playing with all the formal elements that you have at, at uh, you know, at your disposal. I love this puzzle version of like a panel and pieces missing and, and fitting in differently. Yeah. Bornica. Bornica next to the comics code stamp. This is a good one. This is definitely the standout for me. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, this is essentially an anthology comic and in most anthology comics, a lot of padding. Alice in Watergate Land, there's uh, several of these strips are sort of contemporary to the political, what's going on politically at the time. So a couple of Nixon references we'll see yeah. from different cartoonists. This one, a mashup with Alice in Wonderland. I, I guess clever. Um, you know, I don't know. It's I don't know how you interpret this stuff 
50 years later. Yeah, I mean, you just do it personally, and uh, if it connects, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, it fits all of those, like, tropes of, like, what highfalutin magazine comic illustration would be with, with the type, typed out uh, word balloons, and it doesn't feel much different. Like, to this day, like, you could go to, like, literally a Walmart or Barnes Noble, and there are those, like, cartoons mags, and this kind of stuff yeah. will, is, is still represented. When was uh, Kurtzman publishing Help? Is that 70s, early 70s? Uh, it was the 60s. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to figure that part out, too, like, what would be contemporary with this. So, Basil Wolverton included... And this looks like modern, like, for 1974, modern day. Like, it's very loose, and you could tell that, like, he probably lost the fastball a bit, but it still was very cool looking. Yeah, and he's running, like, all of these alliterative signs, something that you would see all the way back into some of his Golden Age comics, like um, Powerhouse Pepper has a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So you see that, not vaudeville, but some kind of dated humor there, and uh, I welcome that. I do love seeing his stuff. His line works phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ne never lost that part of the uh, of his fastball. It's 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 more wobbly, that's for sure. Like you, you, it reads as like late later period. The best way to support cartoonist kayfabe is to buy the comics that Ed Piscor and I make. Red Room trigger warnings: one through four is in stores now while supplies last. Every Red Room comic is self-contained story, so whatever issue your comic shop has is a great place to start. There's also Red Room, the Antisocial Network, collecting the first season of Red Room. Available now wherever comics are bought and sold, except for 28 countries where it is banned and about 10 comic shops where it's banned. But you can still request it. They can still get it for you. And you can pick up Hulk Grand Design by me. Two double-sized issues retelling the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk in one coherent story featuring my art, writing, color, letters, uh, the Grand Design treatment, so to speak. So pick these comics up wherever you buy comics and support Cartoonist Kayfabe. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. Travels with Myron. This is Myron the Moose, a, uh, an underground character. Uh, Vince Davis, your cartoonist there. And you see reference to other underground characters, Mr. Natural walking through. Yeah, that would be... Um, I saw some sort of Myron the Moose. Like, was it a... It, I think it was a Fantagraphics book, to be honest. Like, three issues of it, if, if I remember correctly. And every page would be like, this page is Myron the Moose in Little Nemo Slumberland. This page is Peanuts. And it would be the same character, but like drawn in different styles on every page. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's not not a character I'm familiar with, but it does feel like a character that's, that, you know, has appeared in different places like that. Uh, this made me think of Air Pirates. They're seizing this car because it's a simulation of Donald Duck's car. And they're left with their, their motorcycle and sidecar. I don't know if that's a reference to something else or not, but that does that's the first thing I thought of was like Air Pirates comment on that. Ted Richards will be in here and he is one of the Air Pirates. Ever ever uh Gerats? It's not a name I know. It looks like a fucking anagram. That's what I thought too. And like we see Bijou here, and I thought that was uh you know, possibly some kind of reference to Bijou Funnies. Yeah. I like the lettering on that on that title page and as you say as an anthology that's what you're getting here you see a lot of different styles of these cartoonists a lot of Howard Cruz represented yeah there's a few of these barefoot strips and they run different lengths um, I don't know if, like I it feels like this stuff could be being reprinted from other places I think a lot of it is I think I think that they uh, they there is a chapter 
in Marvel Untold stories. There's there's a way like we might have to like break that book down and and like do some vids. We should do that because we could do it like an interview piece where we read a, a couple chapters and then discuss them like we have the Will Eyes exactly and stuff. Exactly, I think I think that's the move uh, because there is a whole section about the comics book and the rise of underground comics because it's it, this is in tandem with these like Conan books and like with these like other weird like Marvel magazines that they're trying to capitalize on what Jim, Jim Warren mm -hmm. has, has created. So, I mean, this, this fits in there. This is, um, Skip Williamson. Oh yeah. His, his primo character. Yeah. Very, uh, feels very European to me in some ways. It's such a freaky character. Like, and if you know, Skip, like Skip Williamson to see him, like he's got like that crazy hair and beard and stuff. Like, this is like, like what is what is this? Yeah, there's guy? all kind of stuff, and then you just see a little bit of like the tweed jacket patterns on there. I, I think it's real interesting cartooning, very attractive. He, he's a guy I discovered through uh, comics by Les Daniels, just Kim just Deitch. like Kim Deitch. This this reminds me of um, I don't know, like an Outer Limits or Twilight Zone story or something, because she's going to her therapist talking about dreams that she's having where she's eating dog food, and then of course. Your O. Henry uh, twist is their dogs, and she's dreaming of being a human. He's one of my uh, sort of big inspirations uh, in in comics because as he as he keeps progressing, like the art just he, he's he's getting more rigorous and getting more elegant. Uh, I don't think it's he's any faster. Like I think it's taking more and more time. But just watching Kim Deitch grow over the years is very inspiring to me because because I want to like keep progressing and moving forward and developing my craft further and further. There have been um, excerpts of some of his like process stuff here yeah. and there that people have done. And it's like layers of yeah. developing that stuff. Very rigorous kind of work to get to that point. And he was doing, I think it was Stuff of Dreams. It was one of the Waldo stories. Yeah. Whenever I started reading indie comics, like early 2000s. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I'd like to look at more of his stuff, maybe find one of his books or something to really, uh, that we can sink our teeth into. I, I, have, I have lots of his stuff pulled. I uh, just ready to go yeah and a fascinating career too because he goes back from these undergrounds into like graphic novels and things today and as you say his work may be as good today as it's ever been he's one of the earliest guys i was able to identify style wise and it was in the pages of i believe if it wasn't nickelodeon magazine if nickelodeon magazine didn't exist in like 1988 89 90 i was in elementary school then it must have been Highlights Magazine. It was some kid magazine because it was in the school library in elementary school. And I'm looking through it. There's a comic in there. And it's like, I know who drew this. And it was uh, on the strength of that like baby announcement page uh, in Comics by Les Daniels because like he and Trina Robbins had a kid. Yeah. It called Casey. And uh, I'm like, this is the guy. And, and I felt like shameful because... Like, I know that it's, like, a naked baby, and you see, like, people talk about fucking and stuff like that, and it's, like, the same guy who did that did this, and I know it, but nobody else here knows that this guy drew naked ladies and stuff. Yeah, maybe we look at that strip as part of our, uh, if we do an episode on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more Barefoot, Howard Cruz. Howard Cruz, interesting career, too. Um, stuck Rubber Baby, uh, what I know him from first the only and has like this long career before he does this again r very rigorous graphic novel yeah and, st and stuck rubber baby was the only comic in my high school library there was no i don't know uh co 
comics is equal to art. There was no understanding comics. It was just Stuck Rubber Baby. And Stuck Rubber Baby would also be in the like the uh, Walden books and yeah. stuff like that. It was it was really it it moved in places where traditional comics didn't, and people just don't talk about it. Now that said, it's been a long time since I tried to read it, uh, and I tried to read it many times. It's very dense mm -hmm. with words and the imagery, and it it takes a lot of the subject matter. You know, it's it's a AIDS related and stuff. Um, so the subject matter is heavy. The line art is heavy. There's a million words on every page. And it's, it's not like a pleasurable reading experience. Yeah, I think about that whenever I look at this. Because he seems like a guy who is a cartoonist. This stuff is so tight. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's planning, if it's working big and reducing, if it's just like an obsession with craft. But uh, that's one of the, the, the things that I would say in common. Uh, you know, between those two works because they are so different stylistically and subject matter, but there's still that like real dedication and refinement oh, on yeah. the page. And I mean, these are very dense pages. You're getting the most out of your mileage, your, your uh, square inches of these pages. And this is your biggest of these uh, cruise stories. Crisis Comics, John Pound, he has another story in here. Uh, this feels like every cartoonist has some, this concept has crossed your mind. You know, and, and some, some do it. You know, I think Ernie Bushmiller has uh, has some Nancy strips that are sort of along these lines, running out of power, running out of ink. Uh, I don't know if running out of ideas is inappropriate to say or not, but that's, you know, he's poking fun of himself with that. Yeah. <clears throat> so he planted that seed in my head. This is bizarre. This is Mike Barron. <laughs> so uh, kind of a mainstream writer, you know, probably known from Nexus as being the writing partner of Steve Rude for, for a very long time. But he's talking about how to modify this squirt gun to get the most out of it and how this is like one of the better squirt guns on the market, but you've got to make this modification. And it's wild to read like step by step how to do this. I, I love it's like it. A, it's like a manual, but without uh, illustrations, it's just text. I love it, man. I Dude, I once went down the rabbit hole. And you remember the super soakers mm -hmm. and, and how incredible those things are? <laughs> NASA scientists created that thing and the proto version, it's two it's two liter bottle like Pepsi bottles and like with like that pump right. like osmosis fucking pressure builder and it's just like on a on a broomstick. It's real fucking dope. Like, you could, you could go down that rabbit hole and find that stuff. So maybe there was a subculture, you know, there were hot rods. When, and when maybe you describe there's... that, I think of, like, gravity bongs or something like right. that. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that may be related to yeah, this article, Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> Here's Justin Green, the uh, the late Justin Green, uh, rest in peace. Yeah, and Ted Richards, and he's, he's one of the air pirates. Okay. Dopin' Dan, I believe, was his comic, I think. It's a, it's a fun concept. Two fools in a cave or the origins of art. So we get cave painting whenever this, this caveman finally has enough of these two clowns and like basically bashes them against the side of the cave. Yeah, it, it looks like it might be like like a pencil job, an ink job. Like it, 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 I don't feel like it's, it's just a jam comic because the lines bleed. And, and there's parts like this feels like Justin Green a lot. That feels like Ted Richards a lot. But then there are moments where I don't know who's doing what. If somebody's putting some pencil down and inking the other guy's stuff, it seems like a real jam. That feels uh, appropriate for an underground comic. Black Belt Magazine must have been out. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, 
ridiculous. How, yeah. how to get through a wall, and it, it involves uh, liquefying yourself and being squirted through a crack in the wall. You think those old uh, those old black belt magazines must be after mags, right? Teaching, they seem like teaching it. you like uh, death touches and stuff. They certainly seem like it. Uh, another Howard Cruz, another Skip Williamson. The other story with this magazine comics book is two issues were published, three by Marvel and then two by Dennis Kitchen, mm -hmm. and it's because of the inventory that was created in the process of making those first three. Also, no schedule. So these come out across, I don't know, a year, maybe a little bit more than a year, but not at a regular rate. Not like this is supposed to be bi-monthly or, or anything like that, and, which also feels underground. And these maybe guys, too underground. And these guys retain their copyrights. Right. So they can publish it in breakdowns and other places. This is another John Pound, at least the art here, Story Clark and Pound, um, the guy who did the power outage and running out of ink strip a few pages ago. Yeah, and John Pound would be... Uh, known as the guy who painted the bulk of those uh, Garbage Pail Kids. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, heck of a, heck of a, heck of a painter. Yeah, I think the cartooning's good, so, yeah, makes sense. So tight, right? It is, very, very much so. I was admiring carrying, like, a neon sign. I like how they, very sharp. like, these cartoonists, they would really wear their influences on their sleeves, and there would be, like, the Fox and Crow or, like, Heckle and Jekyll right. type. Yeah, it's what you see at a glance, and then as you look closer, it, it's like, oh yeah, very good. Very good cartooning. Oh, yeah. And I can't help but think that you have a giant panel that says Zap. You're obviously uh, referencing the, the underground comics that came before you. I think this is Justin Green. Oh yeah, all by himself. Yeah. Yeah. And a couple of these appear to be continued. I think Trina Robbins is a strip that is continued through at least the next issue, and I guess this one as well. It's so funny because the graphic design of this just feels like a uh, kitchen sink. Makes sense. You know, it even has send your letters to the Wisconsin address of kitchen sink, but not your subscriptions. Yeah. Let's go to uh, magazine management in New York. And uh, this is, I guess, one of your models for how you're going to get paid on this book is selling subscriptions. And like I said, three issues they end up publishing. So I don't know if you get a refund for that or how that works. Yeah, beginning the tradition of when you see independent comics... Uh, that have subscriptions, it will never be fulfilled. Yeah. Um, Scott Shaw here, I know him from like, geez, like the 90s or something doing these funny animal comics, and I think he would do a panel at San Diego every year with Sergio Aragonis and maybe one or two other people, like a like a quick draw panel that's yeah. kind of famous. So Animation um, guy, man. Totally juiced in. West Coast dude. Sandy, like first gen San Diego Comic Con guy like part of like early fandom and just around that era, like you know stan sakai dave stevens la hannah barbera gotcha. like all that stuff yeah tim boxel i'm not sure of that name no me neither and uh another dennis kitchen and howard cruz piece and this dennis kitchen piece makes me think he must draw big and reduce it because his lines are so tight yeah if he's if he's drawing like a regular reduction as everybody else man his line control is amazing and skip williamson doing some color work on the back cover skip williamson's an interesting guy because like we talk talk about the limited like drawing skill set of uh spiegelman his is even more limited and he becomes art director of playboy for a period of time wow i mean you know, it may be limited drawing skills, but I feel like as a cartoonist, it's a lot of the cartoonist language on display. Sure, yeah. And then like Spiegelman, like really pulling out a lot of visual pieces, like all the textures that you see there. Yeah, and probably hand separating this himself. 
visual linguists i would think of those guys it's a good way to put it man and it's stuff like that like you never saw that in a marvel comic no, it's very nice i would steal that yeah that lettering technique and color for the lettering yeah yeah with the overprinting. so yeah i picked this up at a local comic shop recently and i thought this is a good one to look at it's pretty a uh, strange bit of comics history especially because marvel and stan lee and uh, historic document uh, I, th I believe it was walt simonson on our shoot interviews who said that like once marvel decided to make a title about something then the subject matter of that title has been long long done long put through the ringer 74 was it 68 or something whenever uh undergrounds like really had their their real heyday and stuff yeah yeah <laughs> i think that's right just the uh just just past the tail end of it yeah when marvel jumps on the bandwagon let bruce wayne uh, bruce lee be fully dead and buried for years when you start to do your kung fu comics that sounds right <laughs> that's the formula good to go yep cartoonist kayfabe comic book christmas in july is the last saturday in uh july we are stuffing the free little lending libraries around town full of comics and hopes of, in hopes of trying to you know create the next generation of comic readers or at least spread the word about comics to uh people who might not have considered comics in in quite quite a while man i have to imagine that the people who hit those lending libraries are literate people jim uh also a receptive audience yes also, like, follow, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available. What is out there, man? Hulk Grand Design Monster and Hulk Grand Design Madness. That is my take on the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk in two 40-page double-sized issues. I'm writing, drawing, coloring, lettering, doing the whole Grand Design treatment. You can also join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see more of my original art and process and you can download some of my out-of-print zines and mini-comics. Red Room Trigger Warnings. Uh, trade paperback in stores in September. A uh, good companion piece to go along with the Anti-Social Network uh, Red Room Trade Paperback. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. If you see issues out in the wild uh, from Red Room, scoop them up. Give them a shot. Every issue is, comp is its own story. Uh, banned in more than 28 countries. Banned in more than 10 comic shops. Uh, go to my link tree in the description below this video. And you'll be able to, uh, to order and pre-order current and future Red Room comics, or hit up my Patreon, which has the comics live right now today. Uh, more than 250 pages are up there. I put up new strips every Tuesday. What else, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. It's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.